Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. How much does shot placement matter for deer hunting? Well, you would be surprised. On this episode, we're not just going to talk about where you can shoot a deer, but where you should and why. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and today I want to talk about shot placement. Specifically, how much does shot placement matter? Now, chances are you have in your head where you think you're supposed to shoot a deer or where you like to shoot a deer, and you probably think that's the best way. You may think that's the only way. And, uh, you know, your way may be the best way. It may be the best way for you, but there's a lot more to it than most people realize. And people think, well, can you really fill an episode on shot placement? Oh, man, I was trying to figure out what can I cut out to trim it down so we don't go too long on the subject. There's a lot to say here. I'm going to boil it down to try to be as concise and direct and actionable as I can. But this is really, really important. So first off, let's talk about the different shot placement philosophies that people have and where they want and like to shoot their deer. And chances are you're going to fall into one of these buckets. This is not an exclusive list, but this is probably the majority of the list. So first and foremost, you have the meat hunter. The meat hunter says, I want to shoot the deer in the head or in the neck so I would damage as little of the meat as possible. They're not hunting for antlers. They're not hunting for a rack. They're not going to mount this thing. So they don't care if they hit it in the head or in the neck. They're trying to save as much meat as they can. Next, you have the opportunist. All right, the opportunist says, I'm going to shoot at anything that I see from this deer at whatever angle and direction I see it 
to put a bullet in some vital area. They don't care what the angle is. They don't care what the direction is. They're going to take a shot. If they got a head shot, they're going to shoot it in the head. If they only have a neck shot, they're going to shoot it in the neck. If the deer's facing straight on towards them, they're going to try to shoot it right in the front of the chest. If the deer's from the side, they may shoot it in the head, the neck, the lungs, the heart, whatever. If they've only got a rear quarter, they're going to shoot it from the rear quarter. If they've got it straight from behind, I mean, the deer's facing 100% away from them, they're going to shoot it straight, square, right in the middle of the behind and try to plunge that bullet deep enough to disrupt vital organs. They don't care about anything other than there's the deer, that's the deer I want to take, they're going to shoot that deer no matter what. They're going to take the most vital shot that they can take. And the third philosophy that you have is you have the sketchy hunter. Now this ought not be a philosophy, but it is. And this is not to be confused with the opportunist. The sketchy hunter fires at brown. They see a piece of a deer, they shoot at that piece of a deer. Doesn't matter what it is, they don't even always know what it is. If they see a part of a deer, they're shooting at that part of a deer. Whether, whether it makes sense or not, whether they know what part of the deer that is or not, they're just going to try to hit that deer. Now, this particular approach is not just sketchy, which is what I've labeled it. It's also illegal. Uh, in my state, at least, you have to identify whether or not that deer is antlered or antlerless. And if it is antlered, you need to identify how many antlers it has and make sure that it's a legal deer but you have to be able to identify the deer and you have to not just know your target, but you have to know what's beyond your target. And if you just see a sketchy patch of brown and you shoot at it, you have no idea what's behind that animal, nor can you even be certain it's really a deer. I mean, it could be a hog, it could be a woodchuck, it could be an elk, depending on where you live. But they see fur and they shoot at it. Worse than that, which I'm not even going to put on the list, is just people who shoot at movement. And that is how hunters die in the woods. Alright, so you have the sketchy hunter. Then you have the traditional hunter. The one looking for the double lung shot. The person trying to hit both lungs and put a bullet straight through the deer, broadside, through the lungs. Then you have the heart shot. Alright? people that specifically their goal their aim their target is the heart that's what they're trying to go after that's what they're trying to hit they're trying to get a heart shot that is their point of aim from any angle and that's their goal and then last but not least you have what i call the immobilizer this is the philosophy where you're trying to shoot through both shoulders both front shoulders um, or sometimes some people try to blow through both back legs. The idea being if you put a bullet straight through both shoulders, it's impossible for the deer to run and they can't get away. So those are the major philosophies. You've got people shooting at the head and neck. You've got people shooting at any vital area they can. You've got people shooting at any bit of brown they can. People shooting at the lungs. People shooting at the heart. And then people trying to put a bullet through the shoulder. So six major um, philosophies, styles of shooting 
that people are going after the animal with. Now let's break it down a little bit. Is one of these styles the best one? Well, that's hard to quantify. Are some of these better than others? Yes. Are some of these bad? Yes. All right, let's talk about that in some detail. So first, let's talk about the meat hunter, the person shooting the head or the neck. All right, the number one reason that they're taking this shot is because they want to quickly and humanely put the deer down without damaging the meat. Um, you know, sounds good, seems reasonable. Pretty much any rational hunter is going to agree you want to try to put the animal down humanely. Now, there are, there are pros and cons here. One, if you do hit the head or you do hit the spinal cord, you're pretty much talking near immediate death. Of course, if you hit the head, if you hit the brain, that deer is dead instantaneously. If you hit the spinal cord, that deer is dead almost instantaneously and it's not going to be able to feel anything. So both are considered to be very humane ways to kill a deer. But guys, it's not that simple. All right, if you're trying to take a headshot on a deer, you're not just trying to hit the head. You're trying to hit the brain. And the brain of a deer is, the, is a target about the size of a tennis ball. It's bigger, smaller, depending on the deer or the angle. Um, but the target you're trying to hit for instantaneous kill is about the size of a tennis ball. If you miss, or worse, if you hit the deer but you don't hit that tennis ball, uh, the deer is probably going to die, but it's not going to die immediately in most cases. So, big example. This all too often happens where someone shooting for the head, they hit the jaw. They blow the lower jaw off the deer. Now that animal is going to die. You've killed the deer. But it's probably going to die hours or days later from infection or starvation after just suffering horrible pain for days on end. All right? It's terrible. You have a you know grazing blow to the top of the head or maybe you hit the deer through one of the eyes. Um, but you don't hit the brain. Depends on the angle that it's looking at the time. That deer is going to die. It's going to die slow and painfully in a horrific death. Um, sometimes you get a glancing blow through the head and you, you impact the brain, but you do not deal enough damage to it to get an immediate kill. And again, the deer is going to die, but it's going to probably run on adrenaline for a few hundred yards or miles before it starts to keel over. It's really an ugly thing. And you're often not going to recover that animal. And it is going to die a terrible death. Um, and even worse, it may get dogged by coyotes and they might eat it alive. Because it's just not able to, to run or, or to fight or it just loses its strength. Then you've got the neck shot. So, of course, the neck, just as effective, mentioned that. But the target that you're going for in the neck is the spinal column. All right, and that that target is about the width of a garden hose, plus or minus. So you're trying to hit a garden hose or a tennis ball at 50, 100 yards, maybe more, 
often shooting offhand without a rest. And even if you are shooting from a rest, your adrenaline's pumping, the deer is moving, and you're trying to hit this small moving target with adrenaline pumping, often wavering or moving yourself, and just nerves and all of that going on, it is not that easy. All right. Now, you can still hit the deer in the neck and not kill the deer. If you miss that spinal column, you may hit the throat. Well, that deer's going to die, but it's going to die minutes, hours, or days later. And that deer is going to run. It is going to run for all that it's worth. Now, if you completely destroy the throat, it's going to die pretty quick. It's not going to be able to breathe. But oftentimes, you've got these marginal hits, and they do kill the deer minutes, hours, or days later, and that deer is not recovered, and it dies a slow, terrible, painful death um, to be eaten by coyotes or something else. And so it, it's not this clean kill situation that you often have, and it's hard to get those shots to hit those spots perfectly. Now, something that people do to compensate, they'll use more gun. There are lots of guys, they will get a 300 Winchester Magnum in order to do neck shots. And their philosophy is if they hit the deer anywhere in the neck, that bullet, that gun is going to do so much damage, it's going to destroy the spinal cord due to the massive wound channel and trauma that's caused by that big bullet. And there is some truth to that. But here's the ironic thing. There's a fair amount of meat in the neck. And when you do that, you're destroying all of the meat in the neck. So you're defeating the purpose of taking the neck shot. Because the goal of the neck shot is to save the meat on the deer. But the neck is full of meat. So if you're using a 300 Magnum and you just turn that neck into gelatin, you can't eat any of that. So you've actually wasted more meat than you would have destroyed with a, a traditional shot with a regular powered rifle. So you have those issues there with the neck shot and the head shot. Next you have the, the, the opportunist. The person who's trying to hit any vital area that they can. Whatever's facing them, whatever they've got, they're going to try to hit it. And sometimes they will also often too use bigger guns. They'll just use more power. The philosophy being, if I hit that deer, it's going to die. Well, yeah, the deer will probably die. But unless you hit a vital area perfectly, it is not going to die quickly and painlessly. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You know, if you hit a deer in the, in the in the back half with a big heavy caliber, yeah, it is going to die minutes or hours later. It is going to run. It is going to hide. It is going to do everything it can do to get away from you. You may even, you know, you may even take a leg off a deer. It's still going to run and it can cover 
more distance than you would imagine. Dear relatively hardy creatures, they're not hard to take down, but they are very hardy if you don't hit them in an immediate vital place. They can, they can cover a lot of ground. Um, that is just a tough one. And, you know, you shoot a deer in the wrong spot. You shoot them in the rear quarter. You're destroying the best meat on the animal. You blow out those rear legs. You're, you're, you're destroying the best meat that's there. And then you start talking about some of these non-traditional angles. Shooting the deer straight from behind. Trying to go right through the guts, right through the intestines, all the way into the heart and lung area in the front of the deer with a high-powered rifle. You're talking about a ridiculous mess. You're talking about horrible situation of trying to gut that deer. You're talking about ruining meat that's tainted by exploded digestive stuff and terrible smells, and it's just an awful scenario. You shoot the deer straight on from the hunt or from the front. You are often going to have that exact same thing as it goes through the front into the back and blows out all that stuff on the, on the back end. You know, if you're using a bow, you may be able to take that front shot. Um, it's not recommended, but it's, you're not likely to, to cause as much horrific mess inside of the animal. Uh, so you're, you're better off from that standpoint. But this opportunistic approach is just, if I can find a vital area from anywhere, I'm taking it. Head, neck, heart, lungs, rear, intestines, liver, legs, whatever, I'm shooting the deer. Now, that particular approach, in addition to the, the, the situations that I just talked about, it has some other issues with it. It creates bad habits. It creates bad habits. It, it, it prompts hunters to take bad shots. It just, I'm going to take whatever shot I get from whatever angle I get it, and they don't care, and you get used to that. And then you end up actually passing on what you would, on better shots you would have gotten because you just take the first shot that you get. Now, I've taught before and practiced myself. I take the first ethical shot that I get on an animal most of the time because I never know if I'll get a second one and I never know if I'll get a better one. I take the first half-decent ethical shot that I get most of the time. The word ethical here, that is, that's the big one. I'm going to talk more about that momentarily. And then you've got the, the sketchy hunter, the person just shooting at anything. And that is one that we don't need to spend a lot of time on because it's obviously reckless. It's obviously dangerous. And it's the bigger thing, though, other than the fact that you're likely to kill somebody, is that you're just showing blatant disregard for the life of that animal. So there are laws involved here. You know, you've talked about or you've heard about cruelty to animals. You've talked about being humane to animals. Doing this is illegal. It is not legal. You can, you can suffer legal penalty for this kind of reckless behavior. But it's bigger than that. What governs this system? You know, what, what, where, where, does, where does the term ethical come from? What does that draw from? Well, I've done an episode before on a similar subject. 
and it was titled, Is Hunting Biblical? You should go back, listen to that episode. It was a really good episode. Dug deep into it. Not going to cover all that here, but a piece of it is this. You know, initially, God gave dominion over all of the creatures on the earth to mankind to care for, to tend, to keep the populations in check, to eat. If you look back into the Old Testament, you will find scenarios of all different kind of things happening from all different angles, using these animals as food. You'll also see keeping the populations in balance. One of the reasons that God did not bring the children of Israel into the promised land all at once is he said that the beasts of the field would be too numerous for you. In other words, the lions, the predators, the wolves, the bears, there would be too many for the people to keep under control. If they just waltzed in and had the entire land of themselves, they had to take it bit by bit, little by little, so they could manage the the wildlife, they could manage the predators, they could um, just appropriately manage the land. So there, there is there's this piece also. It's not just you know we're serving the animals; it's we're governing this thing. And, you know, the Game Commission really has a a biblically rooted charge in managing the wildlife in any particular state or jurisdiction. That is bigger than than just the government's role. That, That is deeper. That goes back way further. And hopefully we have good people in office that are taking that job seriously and and smartly. And, and doing a diligent job to, to try to do it the best that they can do. I know that is not always the case, but we should hope and pray and vote accordingly to, to try to influence that. But then you've, there's, there's more bits and pieces here, right? So you, you chip away at this from different angles, okay? There are other scriptures that talk about how a righteous man will care for his animal. A righteous person will take care of his beast. They'll be well tended to this in the stalls and they'll be clean and those sorts of things. You find that in the book of Proverbs. But on the other side, you have Jesus talking about, you know, that um, not one bird falls from the sky apart from the father's knowledge. But then he says, you are of many more. You have you are of more value than many birds. So he doesn't put animals and people on the same level. He, he talks about that we are of a higher place. We are of a higher value. God is still aware every time one dies, but it is not something that we are put on, evil, e, on even playing field with. But then you also have, Jesus talks about, uses many examples that he's the good shepherd and we are the sheep and the shepherd cares for the sheep. And he uses that natural example of the natural shepherd, you know, taking care of the sheep and taking care of the animals. And so there's lots of pieces to that. Oh, then, but Jesus eats animals and talks about how people make fun of him for that. And people give him a hard time for it. So there's a balance here. There is a balance of what is ethical, of what is, quote, humane, though that's not a Bible word but it's, it's a cultural word that we've attached to this on how do we care for wildlife. 
and you look back, there are laws in the Old Testament. Now, they're ceremonial, but there are laws in how to slaughter animals in order to kill them cleanly and quickly to minimize suffering and to minimize the chance for contamination and disease and bacteria and to get harmful things out of them and then to process them quickly, both for eating and for sacrifices and things like that. Again, some of that is just purely ceremonial, but there's also wisdom there for doing those kind of things. So it is our duty to manage wildlife, to manage animals, and part of that duty involves raising animals and caring for animals and not neglecting, but part of the duty is on slaughtering and eating and hunting and killing animals. Part of it is on killing animals from the standpoint of pest control, from the standpoint of safety and and keeping predators away from populated areas and things like that. There's a piece of that in there. But we're to do it in a way that is respectful of the animal and minimizes suffering. All right, so this entire conversation about where should we shoot a deer needs to be rooted and grounded in something other than the opinions of the internet. It needs to be grounded in what is right. And what is right is something that kills that animal quickly, cleanly, reliably, and minimizes suffering. We know there's going to be some suffering, but we want the suffering to be brief and to be minimal. And that is the duty that hunters play, not just for deer hunting, but for all hunting, to be able to take animals quickly, as painlessly as possible, as reliably as possible, minimize the number of wounded animals that get away, minimize the number of animals that die slowly, minimize the losses and cripples and all those things for deer hunting, big game, birds, across the board. We want quick, clean kills. That should be the goal of every hunter out there. That if I pull the trigger, if I let an arrow fly, that animal should be dead every time and quickly. And I need to train, I need to practice, I need to shoot, I need to go to the range, I need to shoot sporting clays, I need to do whatever I need to do to hone my skills so that every time I pull the trigger, I can have a quick, reliable, and painless kill of that animal. That should be our goal. That's never always going to happen. It's just problems happen, errors happen, equipment malfunctions happen, the unexpected happens, human error happens. But that needs to be our goal. So you have the sketchy hunter just shooting at anything that's brown is utterly and completely unethical. Not just from the standpoint of what's legal, but is just being cruel to wildlife. Now, moving on to the next piece here. You have the double lung shot, the traditional shot. Um, so this one involves, the goal here being is to, to hit the deer, usually if it's with a bow, just behind the front shoulder, or with a gun, same place, or even just through the front shoulder, in order to put that projectile through the lungs. 
Now, there's a couple different philosophies here if you get into the nitty-gritty. Some people want a clean pass-through all the way through the deer. Bullet comes out the other side. Some people want the bullet to go in and to disintegrate and do as much damage as possible. Some people want the bullet to go in and expand and almost go all the way through. And I mean all but breaking the skin on the other side so that, quote, all of the bullet's energy is released into the animal to do as much damage as possible. And there are various philosophies and schools of thought about why you'd want to do all of these different approaches. And of course, they can all work. But from the standpoint of the most humane, quickest, and reliable kill, I want to talk about doing that. So the way that you kill a deer by shooting it in the lungs is by disrupting lung function. You, you want it to be impossible for the lungs to work. And the way lungs work is that there is a vacuum created in the chest cavity by a sealed space and the diaphragm contracts and releases to allow the lungs to fill with air and then to release that air. If you break the vacuum, it, the lungs are no longer able to inflate or deflate properly. And if you go straight through a lung and out the other side, and there's a hole in both sides of that lung, you end up with what is called a sucking chest wound. All right, a sucking chest wound. The, the animal is trying to breathe, but it cannot create a vacuum in the chest cavity for air to come in, and air just sort of comes in and sputters through the two sides of the chest. Now, if you plug those holes, and in medicine, they've got you know, emergency treatment for when that happens to a person, if you're able to plug those holes and restore some of the vacuum, if you put a piece of plastic over both sides, you can restore a percentage of the lung function temporarily. But a sucking chest wound is one of the worst injuries that you can inflict because it just becomes impossible for the animal to breathe, loses consciousness, and then dies. And this is, in my opinion, the best and the most ethical and reliable way to take down a deer quickly, reliably, and painlessly. And I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. Um, there's more detail there. There's more reasons there. But I want to cover some of the other approaches just a little bit more. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. We'll go to the heart shot. Now, of course, the heart shot, just like the head shot, is going to kill a deer. There's no way to hit a deer in the heart and that deer survive. It is 100% fatal if you take out a deer's heart. And 100% fatal very quickly. Um, however, there are two issues here. Number one, the heart is a small target, like the brain. It is, you know, similar to, to the size of a tennis ball. A little bigger, a little smaller. The bigger the animal, the bigger the heart. Of course, it could be, you know, a good chunk bigger than that. But somewhere between tennis ball, baseball size is that target. That is not a large target. All right, it is not that big of a target to hit. Um, but 
because of where the heart is placed in sort of the front of the chest there. If you miss the heart and anything to the rear or above, you still stand the chance of hitting other vital critical areas. Um, of course, if you go low or forward, then you're gonna, you can miss the animal or, or you're just going to cause a flesh wound. Um, so it's similar to shooting the deer in the head, but you have more margin of error on, on the one side than you do on the other side. So it's a little better than a headshot. The other issue here is that uh, deer can run fast and surprisingly far after being shot in the heart. Now, I have had cardiologists argue with me. I've had nurses and nurse practitioners argue with me and call me a liar and, and all this sort of thing and uh, say, you know, that's just impossible. As soon as the heart is hit, blood pressure drops and you lose consciousness. Well, that may be true with people. Um, and of course, none of these cardiologists and nurses and nurse practitioners are uh, study study and treat animals with gunshot wounds they study and treat people and almost never with people with gunshot wounds so you have a bit of an apples to oranges comparison here but you know my own experience of having shot multiple deer in the heart is this you hit that deer it runs now it doesn't run long seconds all right, and then exactly what they say should happen happens. But that deer, it feels pain. It has a burst of adrenaline and it can run for a few seconds. Now, how far can it run? I've had deer run 100 yards, 50 yards. Uh, I know of people that have had deer run 300 yards after being hit in the heart. Thought you missed the deer. Very little blood trail even. And then find the deer, cut it open. Yeah, the heart is just jelly. Like, how did this happen? Well, a person can't run very fast. And here's the thing. Not a lot of people are studying what happens when people get shot in the heart with a high-powered rifle. Uh, there's not a lot of case studies. There's not a lot of people, you know, doing that on a regular basis. That ought not be happening. So... You have a lot of opinions and a lot of feelings and a lot of things that are out there, but the reality of it is the deer does not just instantaneously lose consciousness. Sometimes they may, sometimes they may just fall, and and that's you know of course ideal. But sometimes that burst of adrenaline just pushes them, and they're able to cover hundreds of yards. Before, I mean, literally, they just fall over while they're running. They just literally lose consciousness and fall while their legs are still moving. They're just on autopilot. So the deer can run relatively far with a heart shot. Now, you know, of course, if you're using a high-powered Magnum cartridge and you hit it in the heart and you're destroying everything within a 10-inch radius you're probably just going to knock out so much stuff that animal is just turned to jelly and its nervous system is collapsed and it can't do anything. But, you know, the average hunter shooting the average rifle, 30 cal, 25 cal, 24 cal, whatever it is, um, chances are you can hit that heart square, knock it out, 
and that animal can still run a fair distance. So it can be harder to recover, it can run across property lines, it can cause issues. And then of course, you know, a miss, you can, you can have uh, some grazing wounds. Now, I will say compared to the headshot, misses at heart shots, you're either going to kill the deer, miss the deer, or just have a grazing flesh wound. Whereas in the head, you hit pretty much anything on the head, you're ruining that deer's life if it doesn't die immediately and it's gonna die a slow and painful death. Whereas with a heart shot, if you miss the heart, you've got you know a good 60% chance you're still hitting another vital area, or you've missed or scratched the deer. And better to miss than to have a bad hit. So, um, and from that standpoint, it is better to take the heart shot. However, like I said, it's a small target, and we're gonna come back to this momentarily. And then you've got the, the, those trying to take out the shoulders, trying to disable the physical running capabilities of the animal. I despise this shot. I really do. Two reasons. One, it is not necessarily or always kill the deer quickly. It may result in a long, terrible, brutal, painful death. The deer may sit there, but sometimes they can still run. And they can still cover some distance, even with this kind of an injury from a regular rifle or um, usually not going to do the damage you need with a bow to even take this kind of a shot. But with a regular rifle, sometimes the deer can still run. They can still locomote or they're, they're semi-disabled. But often the deer's just laying there waiting for you, just staring at you, unable to run, trying to push with its back legs. And it is a sorry gory, terrible sight. That ought never be your goal to just disable the locomotive capabilities of the deer um, and then have to walk up to it and take a second shot to kill it. Number two, you're destroying a lot of meat in those front shoulders. If you're trying to blow out the deer's ability to locomote, you're trying to blow out core muscle and bone structures, and you're destroying a lot of meat with that shot. It's really not a good shot to take. Now, backing up, and I want to go back and talk a little bit more about the double lung shot and why that shot, I think, is ideal. There's a couple of things going on here. First of all, the lungs are the largest target on the animal. They represent the largest critical area that you can hit. They are much larger than the heart. They're much larger than the head. They're much larger than the critical zones in the neck. Um, they're larger than the specific areas you would need to hit to try to disable locomotion. The lungs are the largest area. So you have the biggest target. You have the most margin of error. If you're a good shot and you've practiced well and you know your range, and you, you put your point of aim right in the middle of those lungs, and you're off by a few inches in either direction, it makes no difference. You want to go straight through those lungs, and you're going to put that deer down. Now, here's what happens um, when you do hit a deer in the lungs. And if you put a shot through both lungs, that deer knows two things. It, 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 from what we understand, there's a pinch, there's a pain equivalent to a bee sting, and then the deer can't breathe. Now, when you shoot a deer in the heart or you shoot a deer anywhere else, the 
adrenaline fills that animal and it tries to run for all it's worth even when it's on borrowed time. When you shoot a deer through the lungs and you go straight through both lungs and you disrupt its ability to breathe, breathing is directly connected with locomotion. All right, for that deer to run or walk, it, it, it knows it needs to breathe. So often what happens with a double lung shot is that deer will take a few steps, will run a few yards, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 yards, and it will dive into the first bit of cover that it can. It doesn't know what's wrong. It's not sure what's happening. It knows it can't breathe and it can't run. And so it will run a little ways and it will dive into cover and seconds later it'll be unconscious. Or if the deer is just really, really stubborn, it'll just try to run flat out. Um, but its ability to run and run at speed is going to be hugely reduced until the deer just falls unconscious while it's trying to run 50, 100, you know, maybe 150 yards later. I've never seen a deer run further than that with a double long shot. And I have seen deer drop instantaneously right in front of me. And I mean, not go five feet. I have seen deer run 30 yards, 50 yards. That's probably the average that I've seen. Um, but never further than 100 or 150 yards with a double long shot. I've, ne I've not yet seen it happen. I'm sure some of you maybe have. But whether it's a rifle or a bow, whether it's a 308 Winchester or whether it's a broadhead, I've never seen a deer go further than that. And usually they run 30 yards and we either just fall out or they'll just look for some cover. The other thing that happens with a double lung shot is there's a lot of blood trail because you got that splattering of air trying to come in and out of the lungs from the sucking chest wound, a lot of blood comes out. So wherever far the deer runs, you're much more likely to find it. You got a lot of blood, a lot of trail, a lot of splatter. You're able to follow the deer and recover it much quicker and easier. I've seen much more blood trail with a double lung shot than with a heart shot or any other shot. Um, it is, it is the easiest to trail and find that animal. And, you know, I mean, it can be a little gruesome, but you don't want to lose the animal and it's going down. Usually if you hit a deer with a double lung shot, you can't get to it before it's dead. People say, well, you need to let the deer, you know, wait a couple hours. And I've talked about that in the past, done video on it. Might even talk about it more in the future, but you, the deer is dead in seconds. By the time you put your stuff down, climb down, get out of the blind, whatever, get your get your your backpack packed up. That deer's dead. It is just dead. Um, of course, if you missed, if you had a bad shot, if you only got one lung, it may take longer. But if you hit the deer right, the deer is done. By the time you, you could not just stand up and walk to it before it's dead. It's over. And though it's going to be go unconscious, it's going to go asleep, and then it's going to expire very quickly. So you're minimizing the amount of pain. You're maximizing the recovery time. You're minimizing the distance that the animal's going to travel. And you're shooting for the largest viable target on the deer. So, of course, the brain... 
instantaneous death, but you're shooting at a tennis ball. Versus the double lung shot, uh, it's like you're shooting at um, like a cardboard, big cardboard Amazon box. Not a huge one, but you know you're, you have a much larger target. And you hit anywhere in there. If you go all the way through both lungs, it's over. Now, let me talk a little bit here about the philosophies with the different approaches to shooting through the lungs. Do you want a bullet that that goes in and fragments? I'm going to say no. While that'll kill the deer, it's not going to create the sucking chest wound. And that's going to be the fastest route to disabling the deer's ability to breathe and killing it. Do you want a bullet that expands, holds together, and just barely stops short of poking out the other side of the skin? No, you do not. Energy does not kill deer. Energy in and of itself is not killing deer. Disrupting organ function is what does it. If you can go all the way through the animal, you create a sucking chest wound, you puncture both lungs through both sides, and it's impossible for that animal to breathe. It's very difficult for them to cover any ground, and they're going down within seconds, and they will be easy to locate. If it doesn't go all the way through, you may not get that sucking chest wound with both lungs. It will not die as quickly. It will not have its locomotion as hindered. It's going to die. And it may, it may just be a matter that it runs a few more steps and that it lives a few more seconds. But that can be the difference in recovering it or not and finding it or not and it crossing property lines or not. And to me, that is not worth it. Energy doesn't kill animals. Disrupting lung function does. Take an arrow. Okay, an arrow is traveling at maybe 300 feet per second. And... It is going, it is cutting a hole through the animal and hopefully coming out the other side. It is not delivering hardly any energy into the deer. But I have seen deer drop faster being hit with an arrow going through both lungs than even a 30, a 308 with an expanding bullet. Because it cuts a wider channel, it cuts through more lung, it leaves a bigger hole on both sides. The bullet tends to leave a little bigger hole on the far, on the, 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 the side that comes out, but it leaves a 30 caliber hole going in. Whereas the arrow leaves a you know two to three inch wound channel all the way through from one side to the other. So the arrow does a lot more. It, it cuts a much larger hole through both lungs, resulting in a bigger sucking chest wound. So I'm of the mentality that in order to maximize trackability, in order to maximize disruption of lung of function, that you're, you do that. Now, if you have a, a fragmenting bullet or a bullet that doesn't go quite through, like I said, it's going to kill the deer. But what's going on there is it's cutting up and it's disrupting and doing damage to lung tissue. But if the lungs still have a vacuum, or if one of them does, it can function more. Even if you've torn some of it up, it can still do its regular type of function to a higher degree than if 
the bullet has gone straight through both lungs and out the other side, and you've broken the inner vacuum and created a sucking chest wound. So in my philosophy, in my approach, in my recommendation, I think you should always go for the double lung shot because of all the reasons stated and, and you have the most margin of error, which to me also makes it the most ethical. And now I'm taking that position on the standpoint of I'm, I'm have the biggest guaranteed chance of this trigger pull killing the deer. Even if I make a mistake, even if I'm off a little bit, if I discipline myself to only take good double lung shots, then the chances of me not killing that deer quickly, humanely, with minimal suffering, and with it not escaping, are very good. Very good. Versus a headshot, or a neck shot, or a heart shot, or a shoulder shot, or a anywhere on the animal shot, or a just shooting at brown, which may not even be a deer. If I'm able to knock out both lungs, this thing's over. It's it's done. It's it's going down. It's going down quick and it's going down with minimal suffering and I have the smallest chance of missing or not hitting my target where I need to hit it and the way I need to hit it. And that's the biggest thing, all right? I I believe and I've already stated it, but if you pull the trigger, that should be an all but guaranteed kill. It should never be a guessing game. You know, I mean, there's always something that can happen, okay? The deer jumps just as you pull the trigger. You fall just as you pull the trigger. A branch falls and hits the bullet as it flies out of the gun and ricochets. I mean, there's always things that can happen. You just, you can never remove all the variables. But assuming nothing crazy happens and that projectile leaves your bow or your gun and it hits that deer, even if you made a small error, even if you were off a little bit, even if you were a couple inches in any direction, it's still done. Even if you misjudged your range by a little bit, you still have enough margin where you've done the job and that deer's not going to suffer more because you misjudged or because you made a small error. Whereas any of those other shots, the, the chances of that happening just get much, much higher and it becomes a much more difficult scenario. And there it is. I can't say it again without just saying it again. And I've said it enough times. So I really hope this was helpful for you guys. I really appreciate you for listening. Uh, please head to the website, New Hunter's Guide. Check out all the other articles. Check us out on YouTube. Check out reviews. And if by all means, I would invite you, please go to Apple Podcasts, through iTunes, leave a five-star review with a comment, not for my edification, but to help the show be able to spread and reach more people. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. Until next time, go get them in the woods. <laughs>